and it is another episode of the Nerd Cave Retro Show. My name is Jason Robbins. And my name is Derek Diamond. And uh, we're recording on a Sunday this week, which is weird because now my body's going to think it's Wednesday night. <laughs> well, if you remember, we used to do the show on Sundays when we first started. I think we recorded the show Sunday night and then put it out on Mondays. Did we? So I don't it's a. It's a it's a nice little uh, little throwback <laughs> to the early days of the show. So, uh, but we're going to do something a little bit different tonight. We have we're going to do like a normal show, but we're going to be reviewing the new Sonic the Hedgehog two movie. And I think it, it, it will go without saying we're probably going to be full of spoilers. So, if you don't want to hear yeah. the movie review, if you haven't seen it, just listen up until. We'll warn you, but we're going to do up through uh, this month in video game history. And if you want to bow out and come back later, we're totally fine with that. But we are going to be a, a little spoiler filled in our review. Yeah, go see the movie. Save save our review for later after you watch it. And then you can always come back and, and listen to it. That's the beauty of podcasting. You can stop and listen whenever you want. Absolutely. So uh, we got a couple of news stories to get to. And uh, just to remind everyone, we are recording this on Sunday, so if you hear this on Wednesday and there's some breaking news that has happened the past couple of days, you're you're listening to us from the future! <laughs> uh, Marty! <laughs> Marty, we gotta go back. But uh, I'm ready to jump into the, uh, the news, how about you? Let's do it. Of course, all of, well, not all, but most of tonight's stories were submitted to us through our email at nerdkidretro at gmail.com by Mr. Armez Jackson and Mr. Tyler Watson. And if you have a story you'd like us to cover, send it to that email address and we will put it right here on the show. And tonight's first story comes to us from joystickersbrazil.blogspot.com. That's a mouthful. Ooh, say that three yeah, times. Blogspot's a tricky word. <laughs> Joystickers Brazil with an S, not Z. Brazil at blogspot.com. Madison confirmed physically on Nintendo Switch. The psychological horror game Madison will be physically released on Nintendo Switch. Publisher Perp Games and developer Ludius Games confirmed. Fans can expect it this summer. It was slated to arrive on PC via Steam and good old games this month. However, a legal dispute involving Nosebleed Games' name prevented that from happening. Um, according to Gamatsu, Nosebleed Games is now known as Bloodiest Games, and not only will Mason be out very soon, but the game will also see a physical and digital release on consoles, although no specifics were announced, thanks to their new partnership with Perp Games. Um, the Madison website is now live with all the information and a demo of the game. Did you get a chance to look at the trailer for this thing? I have not, but I, I looked up a little more about this game. And to be perfectly honest, and I could be completely wrong in my comparison, but because Nintendo's not really known for having games like this, my immediate thought went to Eternal Darkness for the GameCube, which yeah. I reviewed uh, a while back on the show. The look of it kind of reminds me of that a little bit, obviously with more improved graphics, but mm -hmm. it is very intriguing in the sense that Nintendo never sees games like this. Yeah. So uh, that like I'm automatically interested because of that. Yeah, I I I'll be honest, I never heard of this game before, and uh, it looks very very interesting. Like I love a good horror game, especially ones that have you know a lot of atmosphere and moodiness to it. So I think this might be something I might be able to get into. Yeah, I'm very curious about it. I don't know if I'll like it, but I do want to try out the demo. I'm happy that they put one out mm -hmm. so that for those like me that horror is not really much of their thing, mm -hmm. I can try it. And if I like it, then then I'll get it. Yeah, I didn't get a look at the um, the website, but uh, if they do have a demo on the Switch, I'll, I'll definitely play the demo and see if it's something I'm going to pick up. Yeah, for sure. The, the, the premise sounds very interesting, so... I'll be curious to find out more about this game, you know, leading up to its release. Even though it says it's going to come out very soon, yeah. So we we shouldn't have to wait too much longer. You know me, I love a good horror game. Absolutely. 
So th- this next story made me laugh because <laughs> the, the the first headline I instantly thought of whenever I heard about this this event. So Jason reviews the first Kingdom Hearts, and then two weeks later, this is announced. Coincidence? We think not. That is from <laughs> Mr. Tyler Watson. And the article comes from IGN.com. Kingdom Hearts 4 and Kingdom Hearts Missing Link announced at the series' 20th anniversary event. Uh, while no platform's release date window for Kingdom Hearts 4 was revealed, we do get a glimpse of Sora in the new world of Quadratum. A quick look at gameplay and an ending tease complete. I'm assuming that's it. Complete with Donald and Goofy. The footage we were given shows an art style that very much resembles the previous games, but has a much more realistic look this time around, which I actually think is really cool. Mm -hmm. Uh, Square Enix has also confirmed that the game is in early development, so the wait may be a tough one. As long as we don't have to wait 15 years like we did the gap between (laughs) two and three, I I don't think we'll have to wait that long. I think it's going to be a couple of years. But let let me ask you this. Because of the acquisitions of Star Wars and Marvel, could we get Star Wars and Marvel themed worlds? How sick would that be? I, I don't. I just don't know. That would be too good to be true, honestly. I mean, in theory, it could happen, and in practicality, I think it should happen because I think it would just be that would blow people's minds. Yeah. If all of a sudden Sora, Donald and Goofy were on the Millennium Falcon or they were transported right into the the Battle of New York from the Avengers. Like as much as I like this game from what little I did get to play of it, if they did that, I would be carrying the Kingdom Hearts flag through the streets, getting people to play that game. If they put Star Wars and Marvel stuff in there. And when they could, honestly, they really could because that's all part of Disney now. Mm-hmm. But I don't, you know, will Disney do something like that is the question. Yeah. The, the trailer is very quick, but it's just enough to, to whet your appetite and make you want more. I, I'm going to say this will be a 2025 game yeah i think if they're if they're just now announcing it it's probably going to at least be two years at a at a minimum because we haven't heard anything about it before this is a very early announcement so it's going to be at the earliest two years away the earliest i think is going to come out will be holiday season of 2024 yeah but i'm going to say 2025 just as long as we don't have to wait 15 years. Yeah. That's all I ask for. I don't think but they would I, I'm, do I'm that, curious. Though. No, I don't think they would either. There's just so much more that they could do. And granted, I haven't played the third game, so I don't know a ton about it. But just the sheer amount of properties that Disney owns, they could literally do whatever they want. I know. <laughs> so who, who knows what to expect? You know, I'm... We're obviously going to follow this story extremely closely. Yeah. And any updates that come up, we'll, we'll be sure to talk about it. Yeah, we're definitely going to keep a close eye on this one. We'll, we'll keep our ear to the ground, as they say in the olden days. <laughs> uh, what's our next story here? Uh, let's see. This is from NintendoLife.com. Nintendo reigns supreme at the Science Museum's Power Up Expedition. Um, walking into the basement gallery of the London Science Museum, you're greeted by an uncomfortable warmth that often comes with gaming events, but that, that is soon forgotten when you cast your eyes over the sea of consoles lying in wait. Um, at the Power Up Expedition, uh, the consoles are meant to be played. The exhibition itself is open now until April 19th, so if, you're, uh, if you are in... London, (laughs) you can go to the Science Museum in South Kensington, and entry comes at a small cost. But the good news is that the Science Museum itself is free to explore. With 160 consoles in total, uh, the exhibition hosts everything from the Binatone TV Master, I have never, ever heard of that, up to the Nintendo Switch. Everything is out in the open and ready to be played. You can sample classic platformers like Super Mario Brothers, Sonic the Hedgehog, uh, uh, fighting section with Street Fighter 2, Super Smash Brothers Melee, and of course Mortal Kombat, Castlevania 3, Dracula's Curse. It's got everything. So if if you're in the London area and you go to this, please let us know. Take pictures. Um, I don't know if we have any London listeners, but if we do, please 
please go and take pictures for us and let us know how it is. It, just seeing the screen or the picture on the article makes me smile. Like, I would love for something like this to be in the United States because I would totally yeah. want to go to it. And even the way they have it organized. So for those that are just listening on the audio version, they have a small monitor with the system in front of it. And then behind it, they have hanging up the name of the console, the manufacturer, the year that it was released, and a like a paragraph description of it, which I think is perfect. See, this is what I'm talking it's, about. Like, when we've talked about video game preservation in the past, this is what I'm talking about right here. You have an actual physical building that you can go to. Um, and it would be great to have this stuff online, too. Don't, don't get me wrong. But to have an actual physical building uh, with a museum in every major city in America with this sort of exhibit, uh, that would be absolutely wonderful. Oh, for sure. Like I said, regardless of where it would be in the States, even if it would be in like Seattle or somewhere in, in the Northeast, mm -hmm. I would want to go like on a trip to go see this museum. Oh, I would make a special trip if it anywhere to go to go to this because this just like the, this is something you, you dream of when you're you know, you love video games. Absolutely. And for our last story, this comes to us from CNN.com. Sonic the Hedgehog 2 races to best opening ever for a video game movie. Uh, the Paramount sequel about the iconic Sega video game character notched an estimated $71 million domestically for its opening weekend, according to the studio. That number not only exceeded expectations that had the film making closer to $50 million, but also marks the biggest opening ever for a video game-based film. The sequel, which stars Jim Carrey as Dr. Robotnik, also outperformed the original, which opened in February 2020, to $58 million. The big weekend is a victory for Paramount and theater operators. So are you surprised at the amount of money that it made, or, or is this about what you expected? Um, it's I figured it would do as good as the first one, but now that it succeeded it by at least $20 million, I'm very happy because that means there's people love this and we're going to get more of it. And I'm not just talking about another movie. I'm talking they're going to do TV shows, maybe some more games. I'm surprised they haven't put out any new Sonic games by now. Like what are you? There's an on open Sega? world Sonic game. There's an open world Sonic game in the works, but it's not supposed to come out. I think until early next year. And the box office stuff, where they come out with the opening with opening weekend box office stuff, and here it is still Sunday. Do they count today, or do they just count Thursday night through Saturday? That's a good question because they normally announce the the weekend results on Sunday. So I'm assuming they count Thursday through Saturday and then they factor in Sunday into the next week, Yeah, but which is strange because you, you'd think they would announce it Monday morning. I know because Sunday is still technically the weekend and I imagine yeah. there's still a ton of people going to see it today. And I won't dive too much in the movie right now because I know we're going to talk about it in a few minutes, but I'm extremely happy that it's made this much money because we've been saying it for years. It's like the comic book movies. Yeah. All we needed were a couple of successful ones and we're going to get more. Yep. Sonic has proven now twice to be successful. Uncharted, even though I know fans of the games don't really care for the movie, it still did well financially. Mm -hmm. So who knows? And if the Mario movie does well later this year, who knows what we're going to get? Maybe. Uh, what would you like to see? Like, what would your, yeah, well, other, I was going to just say other than Zelda, because I think both of our answers would be a Legend of Zelda movie, but, but what other property would you like to see? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, well, Zelda, I would want to be a series because I, I don't think you can tell a full Zelda story. Well, you can, but if you really want to get into like the lore of Hyrule and the history of it, you, you want to do like a, a 10 episode series yeah you'd have to do a tv uh, series because where would you even like which story would you even tell in a two-hour movie format i don't think there's one that you can maybe the original one maybe the original game you could because you're just finding pieces of the triforce but 
you can't adapt Link to the Past in one movie. You definitely can't adopt Ocarina of Time into one movie. Yeah, it's just not going to happen. Uh, that that's a great question. I mean, there are some off the wall ones. Like I think a Banjo Kazooie series would be kind of cool. <laughs> like I think you know, like because you know Cuphead, they adapted that into a series yeah, on Netflix. There's going to be a Sonic animated series. I haven't either. I I haven't really read anything on it, but uh, no Metal Gear Metal Gear Solid's in the works. I think that could be that could be kind of cool. I tell you what I want. You, you, I want an Aliens style Metroid movie. I want yeah. a good horror action uh, with some comedy elements, but more more on the lines of of the original original Alien. For most of it, and then have it be turn into aliens about halfway through. You know, like you get that yeah. good, like haunted house in space vibe, like the original Metroid. Like she's alone, doesn't know what's happening, but then everything just goes to hell halfway through and turns into just mm-hmm. a, a giant spectacle of an action movie. No, I think a Metroid movie live action would be fantastic. Another one I'd throw out there, if you want to take a property that I think could capture both adults and kids, would be Star Fox. Yeah, that's not a bad idea. Because you you have, obviously, like anthropomorphic animals are appealing to kids, as we've seen with Sonic. Yeah. But you've set that in space, and you have the adult story of Fox trying to avenge his father's supposed death. I think even that is maybe like a six episode series would be pretty sick. Yeah. And speaking of video game properties, you know, I've been watching the new Halo series on Paramount Plus. I have. Yep. I'm enjoying it, but at this, we're three episodes in and I'm just going to say something needs to happen because this slow burn is starting to get on my nerves right now. <laughs> the f- the first episode was good in the sense that it introduced Master Chief, it introduced the Halo lore and we got to see some good action. Three episodes I under- we've only gotten to see the Spartans fight once. <laughs> like in the first 5 minutes of the first episode. And and maybe maybe this is just the the purest in me, but Master Chief never took his helmet off. <laughs> first and, episode. And he's he spent he spent <laughs> Three fourths of the show with it off. Yeah, and uh, like I get, I, I get you got to build story, but we we need we need some action yeah. in the next episode. I I'm get sorry. it that you have to make your your protagonist relatable, and you have to be able to see a human face, human eyes. Um, and I get the story they're going for because, it, and I don't I don't want to spoil it, but it's it's a lot of. Um, I don't want to get into I, I There's nothing I really want to say that spoils it. Let's just say that it's a lot of uh, personal personal Fla- story. And a lot not, of flashbacks. Yeah, a lot of flashbacks. You, you're trying to find out who Master Chief is. And there's really been no action yet. Like none, except for the first couple of minutes of the first episode. And I'm watching this because I want to see action. I want to see the Spartans fight. They need to give me something this next episode or I'm going to be mad. It's starting to feel a little Book of Boba Fetish. Yeah. I've I've liked the show. Like, I don't hate it at all. Like, they've done a great job of establishing the Halo lore and capturing, like, the, the little things, like the sound effects. Like, you know, when Master Chief got shot and you hear the... Like, I geeked out over stuff like that. Just hearing, like, the sounds of the elites. I'm like, that stuff is cool. But where's more of it? Yeah, it it and I love a good story, but they're stretching it out too far. They've gotten Cortana at this point, episode three, and I I like the way they're portraying Cortana. Um, I do too. I dig it. I really do dig it. But um, yeah, they they need to start giving me a little more, a little more <laughs> at this point, a little more action. The- the way the most recent episode ends, I think we will get more in episode four. Yeah. But yeah, I'm with you. If if they if it's just more exposition and more flashbacks and more like, oh, th- this needs to happen. Yeah. Well, it's got to happen at some point. Yeah, because the Covenant <laughs> you know looks I mean? cool. Like, I want to see them fight. Yeah. Like, it's just yeah. you're showing me all this cool stuff. It's sort of like it's like walking down the, the toy aisle when you're a kid. 
and you're seeing all this cool, cool stuff, but you can't afford to buy anything. So you can't play with it and do anything cool with it, but you can look at it. You can look at yeah. it, but you can't play with it. Uh, that That's a good comparison. But we'll, <laughs> we'll see what happens with this most recent episode upcoming. But yeah, we'll do a full review of uh, the Halo series when it's done. Yeah. But uh, let's go and move into this month in video game history. On April 15th of 1995, Midway releases Mortal Kombat 3 in arcades. I could not tell you the last time I played Mortal Kombat 3. I if I go either. back and play an old school game, it's it's the original one. I like 2 a lot, but I have more sentimental value attached to the first one. The, See, the third I have, one, I remember playing it, but it's been a long, long time. See, I have more sentimental attachment to 2 than I do to 1. So I, I, I I'll be, I'm, I'm like you. I can't remember the last time I played three, but you know, I, I worked at a restaurant at the time. I was like 15 years old, and they had a Mortal Kombat two machine. It was, it was a pizza restaurant, so of course we had, you know, a, a Miss Miss Pac Man cocktail table and a, a Mortal Kombat two. And I put so many quarters on my breaks into that Mortal Kombat two. And I love playing Baraka. He's still my favorite character to play. Um, but yeah, I, honestly, I don't remember much from Mortal Kombat 3. So at some point this year, we should make it a point to review Mortal Kombat 2 and 3. Because I know we've talked about the first one. Yeah. But I don't think we've talked about 2 or 3. We should. Yeah. We'll have to add that to the list. Yeah. Let's see. April 30th of 1997, LucasArts releases Star Wars X-Wing vs. TIE Fighter for Windows. This is another one of those. I felt like every year there was some type of Star Wars computer game that I, I would watch my uncle play. Loved these flight simulators back in the day. The X-Wing and the TIE Fighter games. I had Rebel Assault. I had my computer with, I had like a $50 flight stick that I used with it. Like I, I spent real money to buy that good flight stick. Like I needed a good flight stick to play, to play those games. And it still just brings me right back to that moment sitting, you know, we had our computer set up in the, uh, the dining room <laughs> when I was a kid and I would sit there with the computer up on the dining room table playing the, all the star Wars, like rebel assault games and stuff. And I just, that was, that was a whole moment for me as a teenager. Yeah, I remember my uncle had a, a flight stick as well when he would when he would play these games. It, it's funny because I can remember like where the house is that he lived in at the time, what room he used for like his his gaming. Still remember the exact layout where the mm -hmm. computer was, how the desk and everything was set up. But I I know we've talked a little bit off air about the fact that you know Wednesday or May fourth is going to be on a Wednesday. Mm -hmm. So we should pick some type of Star Wars game to do a dual review of. What if we do one of these games like an X-Wing versus TIE Fighter or a Dark Forces? I, actually, if we could what? find them. I saw Dark Forces uh, on Steam the other day and was this close to getting it. So why don't we do Dark Forces? Because Sounds I good think to me. that's the introduction of uh, Kyle. What's his name? Kyle Katarn uh, was the introduction of that character back in the 90s. I think so. Um, if if I'm not mistaken, that was the introduction of him. So yeah, I I'm if we want to do uh, Dark Forces, I am 100% for that. Yeah, let's put it on the calendar. Awesome, I'm down for that. I love it. Uh, let's see, April 2000, Nintendo sells its 100 millionth, 100 millionth Game Boy and Game Boy Color handheld consoles. And it still doesn't get the recognition that it should but because pe people forget how huge the Game Boy was because like you you had your console and yet yeah, the the graphics weren't as strong as the NES or the Super Nintendo, but it was a Nintendo system that you could take in the car with you. I you could take it on vacation like between the, the appeal Game was Boy, just so great between just the, the first Game Boy, which was around for like 13 years. Between that and the Wii, 
I think, probably gave Nintendo its entire war chest. I think so, too. Just those two consoles alone. Probably, I don't even know what the numbers are for total sales between the original. I'd like to know that. I'll have to look that up one of these days. What what the total is between just those two, the original Game Boy and the Wii. How many units were sold? At one point, or at some point uh, during my lifetime, I want to get an original Game Boy and a Game Boy Color to have like the full Nintendo library yeah. of, of consoles. Yeah. Because I still have my Game Boy Advance and like the Game Boy Advance SP, the DS, 3DS. I have all of those, but I, I got rid of my original Game Boy and Game Boy Color, which I, I regret. But at, at some point, I'm going to track them down and then I'll have the the full Nintendo library. Yeah, I know my original Game Boy is somewhere at my parents' house. And the, the thing is, is where... Where, oh, where could it be in that house? <laughs> that, that is the age-old question. <laughs> but to close us out for this month in video game history, on April 27th, 2000, The Legend of Zelda Majora's Mask is released for the Nintendo 64 in Japan. I still think this game does not get the credit that it should because a lot of Zelda fans think that it's essentially just an Ocarina of Time clone. But yes, it does use the same engine, but the story is completely different. And I actually think it has top top five, maybe even top three storylines because it's the subject matter is so much darker than what you were used to dealing with with a Zelda game. You had to deal with you know the impending end of the world with doom and death. Do you think this is the uh, most controversial of the Zelda games? That the one that is basically split among Zelda fans on whether they like it or hate it? Because this is definitely one of those games where people either love it or hate it there's really no in between of oh majora's masks it was okay people are either like man i love that game or they just despise it i would love to debate somebody who hates that game i'm sure we've got somebody in in the in our world that hates it yeah probably somebody does but um it's definitely up there. I know Wind Waker was definitely that way when it was first announced because of the, the graphic style. Yeah, but, the but I think about, its gameplay really won a lot of people over. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Like People hated it at first, but that game has just become beloved by everybody at this point. I don't think there's very many people left that hate that game. Yeah, it's. I, I would say Majora's Mask is definitely up there. It's tough to say what is the most divisive Zelda games because I I don't count the CDI games because everybody hates those. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, those don't count. <laughs> I, yeah, I I do. I, I saw in that the article we were talking about about the video game museum, there was a CDI in that picture, and it got me thinking. Hmm. I should try out one of those Zelda games <laughs> just to torture myself, but it'll entertain the listeners. So I'm sure they're easy I'll, to I'll, find. I'll do that at some point. You could probably find those pretty easily on the internet somewhere. Yeah, because I, I ain't paying for those. But do you really <laughs> want to put yourself through that, Derek? Do you really? <laughs> what? I put myself through Superman 64, <laughs> so I think I can survive just about anything. Yeah, but at least Superman 64 was somewhat playable. Yeah, true. Well, I- I'll think about it. All right. We'll see. <laughs> I just don't want you to do anything you're going to regret. I regret playing Superman 64, I, <laughs> but that's okay. <laughs> See, I don't hate you like our listeners hate me and want me to play the worst games ever just to watch me squirm. I think you would appease them if, if you just played Final Fantasy. <laughs> hey, I might be doing something in secret. You never know. <gasps> did well, I just we'll see. Did I just tease something dun, Final dun, Fantasy dun. related? Dun, dun, dun. Wish I had that that sound clip. Yeah, Uh, that's great. (laughs) But uh, before we go into our review for tonight, Derek has shout-outs. Yep, as always, we'd like to shout-out our awesome patrons over at patreon.com slash nerdcaveretro. We want to shout-out Daniel Salmon, Tyler Watson, Axeblade07, uh, Armes Jackson, Hand Solo, Carlos Longoria, Steph Sargent Sketch, Gus and Penny, Matthew Salmon, Mike Eveland, Jennifer Eveland, Brandon Rutledge, and Mr. Donner, Party of Five. Thank you all so much for your continued contributions to the Nerd Cave Retro Show. Keeping the lights on for us here at the show. 
And if you want to be a part of our awesome Patreon, you get early access to our fun commentary tracks like X-Men the Animated Series, Batman the Animated Series, Gargoyles, movies like The Wizard, Super Mario Brothers, Clue, Christmas Vacation. So many great commentary tracks that we've done. So if you want early access to those, and I believe for this month, we're leaving it up to the patrons to decide what we're going to do a commentary track on, which is quite scary. Yeah. So if you want to tell us what you want us to review, go sign up over on our Patreon and let us know over there. We, I have a yep. uh, post right there on the front page asking you for your suggestions. So if you, want, if you have something you want us to talk about, head over there and do that. And I didn't mean to put Daniel Salmon in there twice to accidentally trip you up in the list oh, there. No worries. I, I <laughs> called it. So it's all good. Yeah, if you want to sign up, just head over to patreon.com slash nerdcaveretro. And for new patrons, be sure to send us your social media, whether it's Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, email, uh, so we can give you a proper shout out. Hey guys, we got to tell you about B-Res Coffee Company. Made by gamers for gamers right here on the Gulf Coast in Pensacola, Florida. No matter what your taste in coffee are, they got you covered. You like light or medium roast? Try the Necro Medium Holy Grail Light or Stamina Boost. They can even add flavors to your coffee like iCast Fireball, which is a fireball whiskey flavor. If you like darker roasts like I do, then try the Critical Dark or Coup Slayer Mocha Roast or the Gamers on the Edge Esports Roast. They even have holiday-inspired roasts like Fall Spice, Sweet Tooth, or the Muffin Man. Do you know the Muffin Man? <laughs> Can't decide what you want for those all-night gaming sessions? Then try one of their specialty sample packs. All roasts are made with fair trade Colombian beans. So stop buying all that crappy coffee from the grocery store and head over to brezcoffeecode.com and use our code NCR for 10% off of your order. And uh, usually this is where I play music, but I don't want to get uh, de- uh, takedown <laughs> for putting music on here. So we're just going to go right into the review. Tonight we're talking about Sonic the Hedgehog 2, the movie. That was just released this weekend, so before we go into the review, once again, this is going to be filled with spoilers. So if you don't want to be spoiled, please stop. Stop right now. Stop the podcast and come back later. Go see the movie, then come back and listen to it. Yes. So I, I guess I'll start. So I, I went Thursday night uh, to watch the movie, and uh, I... I had pretty high expectations going into it because everyone knows who's longtime listeners of the show knows that I'm the Sonic fanboy. I have been since the early nineties was very surprised with the success and how good the first movie was. So naturally when more information came out about, you know, Jim Carrey having the, the more true to Robotnik look with the bald head and the giant mustache and more accurate costume, we were getting tails. We were getting knuckles. So I said, okay, this chances are it's going to be more like the video games than what we got in the first movie. Not to say the first movie was bad. So the theater was, I'd say, about halfway full. It wasn't as full as I expected it to be. But a lot of, a lot of families were yeah. there. And a lot of people showed up right as the movie was starting. There was one family that I think had like, it had to have been at least seven or eight people. It might have been more, but well, they filled thing, up practically an entire row. One of the things I was surprised about, it was the same for our theater. There was a lot of families in there, a lot of kids, and the kids were quiet <laughs> the whole movie. They were just completely into the movie. And uh, usually when I see a theater full of kids, I'm like, oh, man, this is going to be bad. But no, it was. they were great the whole the whole time. Yeah, and that's that's exactly how it was with with us when we went to see it. You you, you got some laughter throughout the movie at you know the right moments, but in short, I absolutely love the movie. I truly think it is the best video game movie of all time, not because of the money that it made in its opening, but it captured the proper like it captured the characters. I mean, Sonic was captured very well in the first movie, and that carries over into this one. I loved seeing the friendship develop with him and Tails. I was curious how they were going to play that off, being the fact that, you know, in the games, they've known each other for a long time. Mm-hmm. Like, we never really got to see how they met. Yeah, I love so, that backstory that they, they did for the movie. It really was well done. 
Mm-hmm. And there were there were two re- moments that the crowd reacted extremely well, which the second one we'll get into a little bit later on is the post credit scene. But we'll we'll get into that in a bit. But the movie starts off with Robotnik on the mushroom planet, and he's concocted this device to basically brew mushroom flavored coffee. And of course, it's terrible. <laughs> and it's it's great because Jim Carrey is. It's a great way to start the movie off. I'm glad they started off with with that whole scene because it just set the tone for the whole movie. And he was at his Jim Carreyist. I mean, there was so much ham on the screen. It was like Thanksgiving dinner. It was just pure joy. When you hit the nail on the head a couple of weeks ago when we were talking about this, with the first movie was the Jim Carrey appetizer. Yeah. This was the Jim Carrey <laughs> entree. Like the, he went full on Ace Ventura, the mask, liar, liar, like that era of Jim Carrey. He just fully immersed himself into. And I loved every minute of it. But and the crazy thing is, yeah, he was hilarious throughout the movie, but he still felt evil. Yeah. Like he still felt like a threat because that's. Like that is the modern Robotnik is that he's crazy as all get out, but he's still extremely intelligent. So the fact that, Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, go ahead. I was going to say, I feel like Jim Carrey, you know, uh, over the past, you know, I feel like after man on the moon, you know, he kind of went a little nuts (laughs) because the, the ghost of Andy Kaufman or whatever. And he went off and started doing all those crazy, like, um, no super serious movies like wasn't that movie called Numbers? Um, number twenty three. Number twenty three. Movies like that. Don't get me wrong. Like uh, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind is a wonderful, great movie, but it's so like he went so far from you know on the scale of super comedic actor to went all the way the opposite direction to like the super serious actor, and then I feel like this here is like just Jim Carrey feeling joy in what he's doing. Like just pure, unadulterated joy and doing this character, be doing what he wants to do, but not overdoing it, but just feeling like he's just this this you could tell even if this is his last movie, you could tell like he's like, this is my last movie and I'm just gonna enjoy the hell out of it while I'm here. Well, he's done interviews in the past saying that how much he's loved playing Dr. Robotnik. Like it's been the most fun role he's had in a long time. And and I don't want to jump too far ahead, but the movie does end in the sense that if Jim Carrey does not come back, it explains it. Yeah. I, so to, I don't want to say set the record straight, but in doing more research on the Jim Carrey retirement, He's basically said that he's not going to be actively looking for work anymore, Mm. but that if the script interests him, he'll do it. I'm I personally. Yeah, I know what you're going to say. I feel like he's had you can tell he has so much fun doing this. There would there would be no question he would come back for three if he got asked. I I absolutely think he's going to because. Could the series carry on without him? Yes, but it wouldn't be nearly as it wouldn't be nearly as good because if you go back even to the first video game, Sonic the Hedgehog is built on the rivalry between Sonic and Robotnik. There are other Sonic villains, but they don't have the same impact that Robotnik did. That yeah. Robotnik does, it, it, and even if they extend this beyond a trilogy, which I think has a very good chance of happening. I could see him maybe taking a reduced role. Mm. Maybe if they do, like, say if they announce Sonic 4 through 6, I could see Robotnik being in the movies, but not as much of a focal point. Yeah. And then maybe you bring in some of the other villains to do it, to, to, carry, that, to carry that load. But yeah, a- Jim Carrey, and I wrote about this on, on, on social media, but he stole the show absolutely yeah. again. And there's some other characters that I, I absolutely want to give credit to, but it, it starts with Jim Carrey. Like he, he is the backbone of the movie because of his name. Mm-hmm. People love Jim Carrey. They know who he is and that he's back to what made him successful. Yes, 100%. I just feel like he's gotten to a point in his life where 
he's just being himself. Like this is, I feel like the Dr. Robotnik character is just basically a souped up version of Jim Carrey himself, like as a person, but evil, you know, not, not saying that Jim Carrey's evil, but just like, he just has fun, you know, like everything just seems yeah. fun, you know, like he's just having a blast on the screen. Well, and a lot of people forget, you know, that, that actors are regular people and he's 60 years old. Now, I know he has at least one grandkid because he did an interview leading up to the first movie's release about how he would play the Sonic game with his grandson. And that made me feel old, first of all, because yeah. I'm like, Jim Carrey has a grandson. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah, he's getting older. And he, honestly, he's done enough where yeah, he he can select what he wants. Like he doesn't have to go out and find a ton of work. I mean, if he's been smart mm -hmm. with his money, then he doesn't have to worry about it. But I, I will be very surprised if he does not come back for the third movie personally. I, I think he would, but I, it would definitely, I think for him, it would probably be in a very diminished role. Like you said, like he wouldn't be the main villain, but he would definitely be like an, a threat, like a, a specter of a villain. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. So the I was talking about the two things that got the biggest reaction. The first one, so these um, Robotnik uses Sonic's quill that he still had from the, the events of the first movie to basically send out the signal as like a cry for help. Yeah. So this ring opens up and these warriors come out that Robotnik disposes of, but he gets knocked <laughs> unconscious. Well, he's unconscious, but he you know he's revived and he, he knocks these soldiers out and then you see this silhouetted figure come out and i love how they cut to a close up of knuckles's giant hand coming through the the ring and people like you could tell they were getting a little amped up and i was too because i'm like knuckles is one of the most popular characters in the entire franchise so to actually see him on screen in movie form was as a longtime Sonic fan, very surreal to me. And I, I thought Idris Elba did a fantastic job oh. of capture of capturing, like they actually made knuckles who he's supposed to be like, yeah. yeah, he, he has his comedic moments, but that's his thing is that he's this big brute warrior that he's loyal to a fault. Mm -hmm. He's not very bright which they also did a, a good job of capturing, you know, when he's reading the the text message on the screen, he's like, dot, 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 dot. dot. So man, that's his thing. Yeah. He's not, he's he, not the, he did the, have the sharpest tool in the shed, but he had, go ahead. The one character in the movie who had the biggest character arc in the movie and Idris Elba did such a fantastic job of making that character from super serious, but also, very funny, but in a, uh, a sh like, I guess a straight man sort of way, like bouncing off Robotnik and then, so you know, with Sonic at the end because, you know, he makes that turn to, to being a good guy. But I didn't recognize Idris Elba's voice hardly ever. Like, he did put on, like, a lighter, not that Idris, Idris Elba voice he normally does. Like, he, it was more of a, like, regular voice i guess you'd say well he did say he wasn't going to make knuckles sound sexy so yeah. <laughs> he he kept to he kept to his word on that but he, he, he i agree with you his character arc was to me the most interesting because i was curious as to how they were going to adapt that in mm -hmm. playing the games and reading the comic books they're both very different in terms of knuckles's background so basically it's he's the last of the echidna tribe that whenever they went to get um retrieve sonic from Longclaw in the first movie none of them came back and knuckles was the only one left mm -hmm. which makes me think will the knuckles series be a prequel to when he shows up and helps robotnik or is it going to take place afterwards because you could really do both mm. i i just uh... I, I that was my biggest question coming out of the movie it's like okay i know we've got the knuckles series coming out i believe next year what do they do with it? I I personally think that it should be a sequel because then you could introduce characters like the Chaotix from the Knuckles Chaotix spinoff game. They've been in some of the more modern games as well. There's so many separate stories that, that you could tell. And now that they have the Master Emerald, that's 
primarily Knuckles' responsibility is to guard it. So maybe he takes up that mantle of yeah. he's going to take it in isolation and be the guardian of it. Maybe they do something sort of like what the MCU does, where it is a sequel, but it leads into the third movie. Mm-hmm. You could always do flashbacks as well, showing like how he grew up, because he was just a kid when yeah. he was abandoned. So you could see what happened you know, on that world and see how he grew up and how he honed his skills and everything. But I, I love the banter with him and Robotnik. Like you said, it was like the almost like the old Abbott and Costello routine, yeah. like the straight man <laughs> and the, the goofy man. Mm -hmm. And even I think they really captured the chemistry between him and Sonic because they don't really get along, but they, they know they have to trust each other, even though they have completely different personalities. Yeah, that was one of the biggest things in the movie to me was the, the chemistry between, and I know he's a CGI character, but the the chemistry between uh, Jim Carrey and Idris Elba. And it makes me wonder, was Idris Elba on set playing off of Jim Carrey? Because you know he does a lot of improv. So that's got to be hard to do, you know, like because if you put your lines down, because like most animated movies – you go in and put your lines before anything's even filmed so they can ma you know match stuff up and which you got somebody like Jim Carrey who's going to give you 50 different versions of the same scene like how do you do that i mean was Idris Elba on set playing off of Jim Carrey that way i'll be curious to see when it comes out on streaming and on DVD is any behind the scenes features they do i'll be curious to know if Idris Elba's on set as well and the biggest thing I was worried about with this movie was I thought it would... I was worried it was going to have the sequel curse where you have too many characters... Like, you get you have that first movie where you have your main character, your main villain, and then, you know, you had, like, the James Marsden character, you know, with Sonic. So they kind of had that buddy cop thing going. You know, the it was like a trap. It, it was a buddy travel movie, basically what it was. Like, you know, like uh, planes, trains, and automobiles or, or movies like that. Like Tommy Boy. That was the kind of structure that that movie had. And I was worried that with the introduction of Tails and Knuckles, and I thought maybe it was going to be too much all at once, like coming into the second movie. But the way they handled it with James Marsden, you know, and his wife, uh, what was her name? Maddie. Uh, Tom mm -hmm. and Maddie. You know, they're still there, but they went off on a vacation and they're still interacting over cell phones and there's still a story going on there. But the, it, nothing was really like too much because a lot of the movie just focused on Tails and Sonic and Dr. Robotnik and Knuckles, like those two stories going simultaneously. And they handled it really well. Like the editing on this movie was really good. You actually, that was a great segue into what I wanted to talk about next. One of my other concerns was that they would take what they built in the first movie and almost throw it by the wayside because they were introducing Tails, yeah. Knuckles, the Master Emerald, and more elements from the games. I actually really liked the human side of the storyline with uh, Rachel, who's Maddie's sister, getting yeah. married in Hawaii. And I, I knew so there, there's a scene when uh, Tom is you know, messing around with his niece and swaps and you know, takes the, the wedding rings. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, I'm no, like, yep. he he gave <laughs> he gave her Sonic's ring because they, they Sonic gave them a ring to use to come back to uh, Green Hills from Hawaii, which they actually filmed all of those scenes in Hawaii, which I thought was was great. I mean, I would love to go to Hawaii to make a movie. Yeah, because we but, were sitting um, there and that scene happened, and even Angelina was sitting next to me. She goes, that idiot's going to switch the rings, isn't he? <laughs> like, yeah. I'm like, God, <laughs> Rachel is going to murder him, especially when the ceremony's happening, all of a sudden you hear, da -da 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 -da. The, the Green Hill theme is Tom's uh -huh. ringtone for Sonic, and I'm like, oh no. <laughs> and That was such a Sonic's good scene, though. Oh my god, that yeah. was so good! I everything, every major set piece in this movie was just done so well, done for like the all the laughs were earned. You know, it was just mm -hmm. so good. 
And it was in that scene that we got to see the return of uh, Commander Walters from the first movie. Yeah. It turns out that the, the wedding was a sham <laughs> and they actually referred to gun, which is a military like a side of the military that they introduced in the more modern Sonic game. So I thought that was a, a really cool reference when he's I forgot what it stands for. But when he said the initials, I'm like, oh, crap, it's gun. Yeah, that's pretty cool. That reference so he kind comes of went back- over my head because I don't really know the newer Sonic games like that. So, uh, it, you know, I figured it had something to do with with the larger Sonic lore. And I also love that they made the the reference of Commander Walters being like, I'm missing the Olive Garden for this. <laughs> so bringing back that old joke from the first movie, I'm like, I, I love when movies do stuff like that. But I, I'm glad that the human characters were not completely irrelevant. And yeah, to, to kind of jump ahead a little bit. So Robotnik and Knuckles find the Master Emerald. Robotnik turns on Knuckles as expected. And he takes it for himself. And what I thought was really cool because we've seen Sonic go super from using the chaos. And we had never seen that happen to Robotnik. So that happens to him. And through that, he goes back to Green Hills and he takes all the military tanks that are in the area and he builds the Death Egg robot from Sonic 2. And I thought it looked awesome. Like it's color wise, it wasn't exactly the same, but look wise, it was very accurate to the games. It was huge, which I loved. I was really worried it was going to be dumb. Like this is going to get real stupid real quick, but it didn't. It still worked. And I was like, this Mm -hmm. is, and it was exciting. And you know what? When Knuckles and Tails and Sonic show up when the biplane was just like, oh, this is, why is this so good? Like, why, why is this working right now? When that happened, and not to say that I didn't say this beforehand, but when that moment happened, when I saw the three of them on the plane flying towards the Death Egg robot, I said, this is effing Sonic the Hedgehog. <laughs> like, this is something that would have happened in the games. Yeah. So, and I'm kicking myself for not thinking of it, But in storyline purposes, the Master Emerald was basically created to house the seven Chaos Emeralds. Like the Chaos Emeralds are inside of this giant emerald. It gets broken. So the seven emeralds come out. And when that happens, I'm I like look over at Samantha and I just start like tapping. I'm like, he's going to go supersonic. He's going to (laughs) go supersonic. And sure enough, right before him, Tom and Maddie are crushed. He grabs the seven emeralds and he turns into supersonic. And I almost jumped out of my seat in just pure excitement. And he easily disposes of, you know, the death egg robot. And we see Robotnik kind of fall into the abyss and he goes later hater. And that's what I was going to say. I thought was hilarious. What a great final that would that that's going to be a a great trivia question one day. If this is his last movie, what are Jim Carrey's last words? for on his last movie is later haters <laughs> like yep. how fitting is that oh it was great and at the end we got to see a, a nice recreation of the the baseball scene from the first movie but mm-hmm. tom and maddie are there tails and knuckles are there I, I just thought that was such a cool it was a cool way to bring closure to the movie and also show that you know, like the theme of the movie is family because it's mentioned by Sonic and Tom because they have a conversation on a lake near the beginning of the movie how Sonic needs you know friends like Tom is his friend but also Tom's kind of a father figure mm-hmm. he needs like a brother or a friend figure and now he has those in Tails and Knuckles so seeing them all play baseball at the end of the movie I thought was a great way to end it oh yeah and just the, uh, and it, since we got to the end of the movie which of course you know, uh, Knuckles is <laughs> doesn't understand what baseball is and just makes for some great comedy at that point. And, um, you know, or do we want to go ahead and talk about the uh, the second gasp moment? So we all knew there was going to be a post credit scene and it actually leaked online several days before the movie came out. And I was able to avoid it because no one just shared it like a jerk. But they're doing, Gun is doing cleanup of the, the Death Egg robot destruction. 
this agent comes up to Commander Walters and says that in purging their files you know, of Robotnik, they found something that dates back 50 years. And as soon as they said that, I knew exactly what it was going to be. They cut to the scene of this giant tube and the camera slowly pans down and Commander Walters says Project Shadow. And sure enough, it was Shadow the Hedgehog inside the tube and we see the close-up of his eyes opening and then it cuts to black. The theater erupted when that <laughs> happened. And you know, we talked about this, how like as an old school Sonic fan, I would love to see Metal Sonic portrayed, but in modern set in a modern setting, Shadow is an extremely popular character. So I do think it is the right move. And in the event that Jim Carrey doesn't come back, I think that Shadow can carry the story as as the primary villain, which yeah. not not to go too far into Shadow's backstory, but they would have to change quite a bit in order to make that happen. I think they're going to have to change some of it too, because it was a similar dynamic of Shadow initially teaming up with Robotnik, but then sides with Sonic. Yeah. And I think if they did that for a third movie, it would just be a rehash of the Knuckles storyline. Yeah. But what what did you think of the, the post-credit scene? I, I mean, I thought it was wonderful the way they did it. I mean, it's it's perfect teasing for a part three. Because everybody knows who who Shadow is, and if, like you said, if Jim Carrey doesn't come back, it's the most natural um, villain to bring in for a third movie if you're not going to have Robotnik there. And why wouldn't you bring in Shadow, who is arguably at just as as popular, <laughs> you know, among gamers as Sonic is? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Shadow's gotten his own spinoff game. People have have loved him since he debuted in in Sonic Adventure Two. The uh, what I would be concerned with if Jim Carrey doesn't come back is that again not I'll give you the Reader's Digest version of Shadow's backstory. So he was artificially created by Robotnik's grandfather Gerald Robotnik as a means to be the ultimate life form. Gerald Robotnik goes insane. He and well, he's not killed, but basically he constructs Shadow on this uh, colony that's orbiting the Earth. Gun infiltrates it. They capture Gerald, kill his granddaughter accidentally, but they still kill him. Robotnik's cousin Maria, who Shadow becomes very close with, but with her dying actions, she launches Shadow into a capsule or an escape pod down to Earth, and that's where he stays in stasis. Gerald Robotnik, once he finds out Maria's dead, goes insane, and he reprograms Shadow to basically carry out his mission of destroying the world. So it would be tough to do that storyline without Robotnik, I think, because it has that history. Like Some people are saying, well, maybe Agent Stone will be the primary villain. I don't think that's a good idea. I like that character, but yeah, I don't he's... think he's strong enough to be a primary villain. Yeah, I don't think he he would be able to carry a movie uh, as a as a primary villain. I just don't. He makes a good uh, secondary villain or somebody that just sort of more of a nuisance than anything. Um, but I don't feel he he he's not a good enough character to to carry a movie on his own as a primary villain. I already know who I would like to voice Shadow. Who? And and he's used to playing a protagonist but if you go back and listen to shadow's voice in some of the previous games i think keanu reeves would be an excellent choice that would, for shadow that would be great honestly <laughs> i would love that because if knuckles gets his own series i can almost guarantee you that shadow is going to get his own series and idris elba is a big enough name that people know if they see that he's attached to the knuckles series they'll be like oh i'll check that out because i yeah. like idris elba who doesn't love Keanu Reeves? Yeah, and he would be great. He's a national treasure. Voice, so, I, I'm, I'm give us give Derek his movie check right now and just yep, go get exactly. Keanu. <laughs> I'm sure he'll he'll do it. I mean, he seems like the nicest person in the world. So, I, I I'm I'm trying to think of who else off the top of my head that I would list. But honestly, as soon as I saw that scene, I'm like, I think Keanu would be the perfect choice. Yeah. 
And just before we end tonight, I do want to mention that uh, there's a really great scene when Sonic and Tails go to Siberia <laughs> in search of the the emerald and end up in a sort of a backwoods bar air, uh, sort of thing. And let's just say that a, a dance-off ensues. <laughs> and it's, it's fantastic. I loved every second of it. Oh, it was so fun. I was laughing the whole time. But yeah, the Tails... Tails was such a good addition to the movie and just so likable and lovable and just make made a great partner for Sonic. I'm just so glad they did that. Also voiced by Colleen O'Shaughnessy, who voices mm-hmm. Tails in the game. So I was really happy that they brought her in because I think it adds more credibility to the role. Yeah. And she did such an awesome job with it. And I mean, there's nothing bad to say really about this movie at all. I can't think of anything I disliked about the movie. I wrote about this on social, but is it an Oscar winner? No. Is it a game changer in the movie world? No. But I had an absolute blast watching it, and it took me back to being a kid playing the video games. Yep. And that is more than enough for me. I I loved it. I give it a solid 10 out of 10 as far as sequels go. Just as good, yep. if not better, than the original movie. They definitely elevated it. And I can't say anything bad about it. If you love the if you love the first movie, you're gonna absolutely love this one. If you haven't seen it yet, I highly recommend going to the movies to see it. It's it's worth the money to go see it on the big screen. The last thing I'll say is bring on the Sonic Cinematic Universe. I'm, I'm because down I for want it. more. <laughs> that was the thing at the end of the movie. I can tell a movie's good if I if I'm sitting there wanting more. And this this had a two hour t- runtime, and I felt like oh this might be a little too long, but it wasn't. At the end of the movie, I was like I still want more. Like I I could have sat there longer watching this movie. Mm-hmm. No, I totally agree. But uh, yeah, that's uh, that's our review for the week. And uh, is there anything you want to throw out there before we we leave this evening? Well, by the time the the listeners hear this, I will have released the uh, new logo for the feature presentation podcast. So hopefully you all like it. And uh, next week I'll be unveiling the official date for the show's return. So uh, check that out on social media at Feature Pres Pod. Fantastic. And this last week, we finish up our conversation with Mr. Christopher Burdett over at the Open Micers podcast, where uh, we talk about his time on Buffy, Angel, and Firefly, and the work he's been doing on the, uh, that he did on the Star Wars uh, trading card game, Dungeons and Dragons, uh, his illustrative work, everything. So just go, such a good conversation with that guy. Go check that out. Um, Christopher Burdett returns episode of the open micers at open micers on Twitter and Instagram. And I think that's going to do it for this week. What do you say? Uh, one last thing, uh, when we come back next week, uh, my wedding will have happened. So we'll, uh, we'll give a, we'll give a full recap of that. Oh yeah. That'll be fun. Yeah. Yeah. I'm looking forward to that next Saturday, less than a week. Yep. How do you feel? Six days. How are you feeling? Cold feet? I'm, I'm. No, I'm excited. No, I think it's going to be great. We've got pretty much everything ready to go. So awesome! All that's left to do is is wait. Six more days. Dun dun dun. <laughs> dun dun dun. Uh, well, let's go ahead and get out of here. Um, if you would like to email us, you can email us at nerdcaveretro at gmail.com. We are at nerdcaveretro.com. We're on Facebook, facebook.com slash nerdcaveretro. And of course, Instagram and Twitter at nerdcaveretro. And individually at jfunktastic and at Derek underscore diamond. Go get some merch. We got t shirts, hats, bags, magnets, stickers whatever you want at ncrmerch.com we got a lot of designs to choose from so go over there and check that out and go visit our patreon patreon.com slash nerdcaveretro where as little as a dollar a month gets you access to all of our extra episodes and a little bit early on those extra episodes too and you get to tell us what to do so go over there and join patreon.com slash nerdcaveretro and of course leave us a review wherever fine podcasts are given away for free so Derek please tell them what it's all about 
Gotta go fast. Gotta go fast. Never rub another man's rhubarb. <laughs> Do you like this show and you want to help support us? Do you want extra episodes every month? Do you want ad-free versions of the show? Then you should sign up over at patreon.com slash nerdcaveretro, and you'll get your very own RSS feed to put into whatever your podcatcher of choice is, and you'll be first in line for all extra content. So head on over and become a Patreon supporter of this very show.